Welcome to the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute, and today we're talking blue zones. Now, you likely know the term. It represents the handful of areas around the world where people live the longest, healthiest lives. And today, today we get the chance to hear from the person who discovered the blue zones and is the author of the best-selling book by the same name, Dan Butner. Now, on the coaching front, if you're looking to pursue your certification as a health and wellness coach in the coming year, your first opportunity to get started is coming up January 23rd and 24th. This one does look like it's going to fill early, so please don't wait too long if that's a priority for you. All the details, CatalystCoachingInstitute.com, or feel free, reach out to us anytime. Results at CatalystCoachingInstitute.com, and we can chat about it. By the way, for those who are subscribers over at youtube.com slash coaching channel, you know we posted an early release of the video version of this interview over there last week, along with our feature video on the best books heading into 2021. If you're not yet there, you can access the full library, over 100 videos, again at youtube.com slash coaching channel. Now let's listen in as Blue Zones author Dan Buettner joins us on the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. Well, Dan, welcome to the Catalyst Health Wellness Performance Coaching Podcast. It's fantastic to have you join us today. Great to be here. Now, first thing, I look at your background. You've got to be getting the the cool award from your kids. I mean, Explore, National Geographic Fellow, award-winning journalist, New York Times bestselling author. You've done it all. Do your kids look at you and go, you know, our dad's actually kind of cool? No, they think Still I'm not. a dork. <laughs> None of that stuff matters. Yeah, Uh, they'll get it at some point. All right, let's jump right in. We we want to keep this pretty tight today. With your your schedule's pretty time limited, but can you walk us through what blue zones mean? I think folks that have read your book, they know about your your new book that's coming out. We'll talk about your wines a little bit, but can you can you tell us a little bit about this concept of a blue zone? It grew out of an idea from uh, or an assignment from National Geographic to uh, a, a big project actually to identify the areas around the world where people live statistically longest and then uh, in a verse in a sense reverse engineer longevity only about 20% of how long you live is dictated by your genes the other the other 80% is something else so the premise of the project was, well, if we can find places where people have achieved the longevity outcomes we want, which is essentially make it to mid-90s without chronic disease, then if we can find those places and find out what they've been doing the last 100 years, you get a pretty good idea of what, what might really work at helping the rest of us make sure you know, our journeys are as long and healthy as possible. And there, how many blue zones? Can you give us some examples of yeah, who? Five blue zones. Five. The longest lived women in the world are Okinawa. Longest lived men live in the highlands of Sardinia. Uh, in in uh, Ikaria, Greece, you, there's an island where uh, there's, people live about eight years longer on average, but they uh, virtually know dementia, which is extraordinary. Mm. People there. Interesting. Uh, in, you know, in the Western Hemisphere, in the Americas, the longest lived people live on the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica. They have the lowest rate of middle age mortality, make it to a healthy age 90 at a rate of two and a half times uh, greater than we do in the United States, spending one fifteenth the amount we do on health care. And then in the United States is among the Seventh-day Adventists, concentrated in and around Loma Linda, California. And that's a population that lives up to 10 years longer 
I mean, not because none of these places have extraordinary genes. They're, they're doing something that is yielding measurably longer life. And my job with Blue Zones, all my Blue Zones book was to capture how they do it, what they eat and how to put, how to put their wisdom to work in our lives. And, and you're saying this is quality. This is not just quantity. You're, you're saying there's no dementia in the one group, that you, essentially. There's never no. But there's essentially no dementia in the, the one group you talked about. This, this is higher quality of life, not just an additional six to ten more years of, of quantity. Yes. Yeah, so in other words, the, these aren't people with superior bodies. Their human machine is no better than yours or mine. They're just eluding heart disease, diabetes, Uh, several types of cancer and dementia. They're not suffering these diseases because of the way they live. And that's, that's something everybody that's listening right now has the capacity to do. They also achieve it not by uh, duping, spending hours and hours in a gym or eating restrictive diets or taking regimens of pills and supplements and so forth. They're, they're, they're achieving it doing things that make the quality of life high. So uh, they're socially connected six hours a day. They're very clear on their sense of purpose. And they wake up every morning knowing why they're on this earth and what their responsibility is to their families, their communities, and and where to put their gifts to work. Uh, They tend to have very strong spiritual lives. Uh, They tend to have very strong families. Uh, They take time every day to downshift and reverse the inflammation that comes with the chronic worry and hurry and, and uh, stress of most Americans lives. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a cluster of factors that uh, we can all put to work, but they're mutually supporting and they're, they're helping people manifestly live into their nineties uh, and hundreds free, yeah. largely free disease. Yeah, you just touched on a, about three or four of your power nine. I think that's a great place to start. It gives some people some practical way, and then they can dig into your book if they want to go deeper. Can we just briefly hit on a, a, a definition or a high-level view of each one of these? And, and we can start wherever you'd like. I've got them right here in front of me, maybe with the move naturally, and then just working around clockwise through that. Sure. So, you know, this is disruptive, but exercise and the way we think of exercise is – been an unmitigated public health failure. Uh, Fewer than 15% of Americans get enough quote-unquote exercise. Yet, lo and behold, in the blue zones, people are fit into their 90s and 100s with very low BMI. So you start asking yourself, well, are they doing burpees or going to CrossFit or going to yoga classes? And the answer is no. They live in places where every time they go to work or a friend's house or out to eat, it occasions a walk. They have gardens in their yards, so they're spending a hour or two every day with range of motion, low, low intensity, physical activity, stress reducing in their gardens. And they haven't riddled their homes with uh, mechanical conveniences. So they're still kneading bread by hand, doing yard work by hand, housework by hand, lifting up their own garage doors, et cetera. Mm. Um, So Mm. every 20 minutes or so they're experiencing a burst of physical activity, which adds up to a much greater caloric burn than, you know, going to the gym twice a week, which is really what people do. And they keep their metabolism running at a higher rate all week long, which burns a lot more calories than the folly of thinking we're going to sit in our, our office chairs all day and make up for it for a half hour in the gym. It just, our bodies just don't work that way. 
Next one up is purpose. That, it sounds self-explanatory, but what do you mean by that as you go through your power nine? Well, it's getting very clear with yourself. And I, I often think people ought to just write this down, but, but um, doing an inventory of what your values are, what you like to do, your passions, what you're good at. And, you know, just like two word key phrases, uh, um, resolving disputes, first idea, fixing things, whatever it is, you know, making that list in each of those categories and then finding the commonalities. And if that's not what your job is, that's not what you show up to do to work at work. You want to make sure that you're either volunteering or your hobby is giving you an outlet for that purpose. Cause it's very clear. The national institutes on aging did a landmark study finding that people this is a retrospective study, but finding that people could articulate their sense of purpose. We're living about eight years longer than people who are rudderless. Wow. So it is arguably more important than any supplement you can take or any hocus pocus diet you could sign on for uh, just getting to know yourself and making sure there's an outlet for those, for your gifts wow. and passions every day. Wow. That's huge. Thank you. All right. Next one up is downshift. You, you touched on this as you were going through kind of the quick overview. This is a certain time of day. This is kind of a let the breath out or is it a different, different route? It manifests differently in every culture. So the Okinawans have ancestor veneration where they'll spend a few moments. There, there's always an ancestor shrine in the nicest room and they'll take some time to, to, um, give thanks to the people who came before them, remind themselves they're not just a point in time, but part of a continuum. The um, Adventists pray morning, noon, and night, which is a form of meditation. The uh, Ikarians and the Costa Ricans take naps, which is a very effective way to downshift, associated with about a third lower rates of heart disease. Uh, Really, I mean, it's a great way to catch up on sleep for most people and you know, largely overlooked in our hurry, go, go, go culture, but I take a nap every day. And then um, the Advent, I mean, the Sardinians, they just do happy hour, which is uh, also a great way to carve out an hour at the end of the day, maybe have a glass of wine and get together with friends. And, um, you know, that a little bit of wine lowers cortisol levels and um, helps unwind some of that stress. So, um, these sacred daily rituals are more important than we think instead of just motoring through the day and then exhaust, you know, flopping, uh, exhausted in, in your sofa for four hours of TV. <laughs> a lot of people do. Uh, let's skip ahead a couple since you mentioned it. Wine at five is one of the power nine. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I put that in there. First of all, all the blue zones, except maybe the Adventists are enjoying a little bit of their, their, quote unquote wine of, of choice. You know, the Okinawans are drinking sake, uh, but certainly in the Mediterranean, it's red wine and in, um, in uh, Sardinia, it's a uh, blue zone wine, but um, they, um, you know, there's, there's, it depends what study you want to look at, but most studies show that people are drinking a couple glasses of wine a day have lower rates of mortality. I put it in there because it gives people a reason to come together at the end of the day. Mm. It gives you some punctuation at the end of the day. So you really do slow down. And it's certainly a lesson for the blue zone that um, having a glass or two or something with friends or even with a meal, you know, having a glass of really good quality red wine with a blue zone 
meal, which is to say whole food plant-based, um, you're about quadrupling the, the, uh, the flavonoid absorption. So there's actually an argument that drinking wine with a meal is better for you than water, hmm. but you know, you got to stop at two glasses. <laughs> Don't take that <laughs> too far. Glasses. Exactly. All right. 80% rule. Stop eating. That's, that comes from the uh, Confucian adage from Okinawa, Hara Hachibu, um, which is in tone before meals, a reminder to quit eating when your stomach is 80% full. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good idea. It's, um, you know, we, we tend to often have a 120% rule in America. Sure. Most, most of the time when we go out to eat, we're overserved. There's a number of strategies people in blue zones do. First of all, they don't eat out a lot. Uh, secondly, they tend to eat with families. So you tend to actually eat fewer calories and um, higher quality when you're eating with, with family or friends. They have a huge breakfast, medium-sized lunch, and smaller no dinner. And um, they tend to eat off of smaller plates. Mm-hmm. And there's some evidence that when you're, when you're eating off of smaller plates, you also tend to consume fewer calories. So these are all Blue Zones ways of keeping from overeating. Absolutely. Okay, good. Uh, plant slant, I can take a guess at what that means, probably tied to what we're talking about with the eating side, but take us through that one. So I wrote a, I wrote a whole book, uh, The Blue Zone Solution, which, which uh, hit the New York Times bestselling list twice. Um, but from that, I did a meta-analysis. So meta-analysis sort of a worldwide average, all five blue zones, 155 dietary studies done over the past 100 years. If you want to know what a centenarian lived to be 100, you have to know what that person was eating as a child and as a young adult and middle age and newly retired. You can't just ask, what have you been eating? Like yeah. most, you know, these kind of BS accounts you read about 100-year-old <laughs> in USA Today or something. Um, but we did the hard work. It took three years. We did it with Harvard. And it's very clear that on average, in Blue Zones, about 95% of their dietary intake comes from whole plant-based foods. So um, flies right in the face of keto and paleo. They're eating a very high carbohydrate diet. Now, carbohydrate is a largely meaningless word because uh, carbohydrates include unbelievably unhealthy things like, you know, jelly beans and, and lollipops and donuts and cookies, but it also includes regular beans, which are incredibly healthy and whole grains. And um, in fact, if you look at the five pillars of every blue zone diet in the world, it's whole grains, wheat, uh, rice, corn, it's, it's um, greens, and fruits, it's tubers, uh, 70% of the dietary intake of Okinawa until about 1970 was, was purple sweet potatoes, hmm. uh, nuts, that's the go-to snack, and then beans. And if you're eating about a cup of beans a day, it's probably adding about four years to your life expectancy over eating meat or eggs or cheese or any of the other things that we, we know is uh, increase your chances of chronic disease. Wow. Wow. And you said, I missed the percentage, 80%, 70% whole plant-based. What was the number you? Well, the 95% it's whole plant-based food and the carbohydrate uh, is 65%. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Right tribe. 
right tribe. What, what are we getting to there? Well, if your three best friends are obese or overweight, there's about 150% better chance that you're going to be unhealthy yourself. I mean, what my grandmother used to say, it was absolutely true. Show me your friends and I'll tell you your future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're hanging out with people who are, you know, barbecue and bratwurst and sitting around and swilling beer and watching TV, guess what you're going to be doing? As opposed to, as we see in the blue zones, people curating a, a, a tribe of friends, four or five people. It's often called a moai of people whose idea of physical activity is playing tennis or uh, gardening or, or, or walking or um, they're um, they care about you on a bad day, which is that's the measure of a good friend. Not, not a slap on the back, you know, exchange sports stores. And um, it's also not a bad idea to have a, a vegan or vegetarian in your immediate social network. And I mean, this is somebody you see every week because Every time you go to their house, they're going to have delicious plant-based food. So you'll be introduced to it. Every time they come to your house, they're going to expect you to learn how to make it. And when you go out to eat, you're going to go to restaurants that have good plant-based. There's no better way to change your diet than make friends with the vegan. And I mean a real vegan, whole plant-based, not this you know crappy uh, processed vegan. Sure. I like it. That's good. That, yeah, excellent. Uh, loved ones first. We got two left here on the the. Power nine, loved ones first. Yeah, that's, um, well, I, I also had a family first, but people's definition of family changes. But uh, you keeping your aging parents nearby conveys two to six years of life expectancy to them. Staying in a committed relationship is worth about four extra years of life expectancy as opposed to going it alone. And when you invest in your kids, they tend to invest in you later on. So you're more likely to be taken care of when you're old. Um, you know, if you take care of your kids when you're young. So we see that very clearly in all blue zones, family is a much bigger priority than people's individual pursuits, Hmm. their job or sports or, you know, whatever other selfish, um, endeavor that they, they might otherwise focus on. Okay. And then the last one belong. Yes. So that's, uh, belong to a faith. Um, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I, I could not ignore the fact that in all these blue zones, um, people showed up, you know, the faith is different. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim or Jewish or Christian or Buddhist, but it was very clear that people had a strong faith component and you can't really measure spirituality and health, but you can measure religiosity. This has been rigorously measured and it's very clear that people who show up to church, temple, or mosque are living four to 14 years longer than people who, you know, are just by the, don't show up or, you know, don't have a religion. And we don't know if that's because church goers and temple goers and mosque goers are, are, uh, have a one day a week where they downshift and release sure. stress or they have a better social network or they're less likely to engage in risky behaviors or, you know, who knows, maybe there is a God and God smiles favorably on those people who show up. I don't know, but it's very clear in the data. They're living longer. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. What, what were some of the things that surprised you most as you dug into this and you came out of it going, what? 
the biggest surprise was that people in blue zones have no better discipline. Remember these mm. people, no obesity, almost no diabetes, living healthy into their nineties. Uh, not one of them has an outsized sense of individual response. No, none of them are quote unquote taking responsibility for their health or uh, none of them have outside discipline. None of them have a program. None of them measure their food or buy books or uh, call 800 numbers and buy supplements. The biggest surprise was that, and this is 180 degrees counter to the way we look at it in America. When you think of getting healthier in America, you think of a proactive strategy. I'm going to find a program. I'm going to eating program, a exercise program, a nutrition regimen, and I'm going to stick to it. And the reality is uh, fewer than single digit percentage people actually stick to a diet or stick to an exercise program for more than a year or two. So it really doesn't work in the long run. So we pursue health and it fails for almost all the people all the time. In blue zones, in a way, health pursues them. Uh, Health ensues from living in the right environment. And that's the big aha. The people in blue zones their only advantage is they live in places where uh, whole plant-based foods are cheapest and most accessible, and they have recipes to make them taste good. Uh, the option to be lonely, which cuts about eight years off your life expectancy, doesn't exist because they're living in places where um, you know they're expected to show up to church or show up to the village festivals or just show up. You just, if you implode into your house for more than a day, somebody's going to be knocking on the door <laughs> trying to get you to come out. Uh, there's vocabulary for purpose. So it sort of comes with mother's milk. And, uh, you know, like I said, their, their, their towns are set up. So they have to move naturally all day long. So their exercise diet, social determinants of health all flow from living in the right place. And what most of my work over the past 10 years has been organizing these blue zone projects where insurance companies hire me, hire my team. We have about 200 employees that go into cities and help cities shape their surroundings, their political environment, food environment, work, school environments, so that the healthy choice comprehensively is the easy choice. And as measured by Gallup, we've seen this occasions, sometimes double digit drops in the obesity rate. Uh, People report much higher levels of happiness. And in one city we know, um, Fort Worth, Texas, they're reporting a quarter of a billion dollars a year in healthcare savings because of the Blue Zone Project. And that was the biggest surprise from doing this work. Wow. Wow. Tremendous. Now you talk about the blue zones of happiness. So a a little bit of a a shift here overlapped, obviously. What are some of the myths on that front that can help us as we look at our own lives and think about, well, am I happy? What does this look like? Maybe I'm doing things wrong. Maybe I'm focused on the wrong things. Talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's another conversation. (laughs) That was another 10 years work, but uh, why don't I just tell you one thing here? And I'll say that Two things if you want to get happier, a hard one and an easy one. If, if, if happiness were a cake recipe and 
you need, you know, you need food and shelter and healthcare and education, and you want satisfying work and a way to give back. And you, you want to have a good partner in life, but the variable with the most variability is um, where do you live? In other words, uh, if you're unhappy and want to get happier, the statistically most powerful thing you can do is move to a happier place. And we see this with people from Moldavia, which is a former Soviet bloc country, not very happy there. When they moved to, to Copenhagen, which is a happy place, uh, nothing else changes about these people. Their, their sex doesn't change. Their age doesn't change much. Their education level, their interests, their religion, their sexual orientation. But yet when they move to Copenhagen, they're experiencing about a doubling of happiness. Hmm. Um, and there's nothing else out there that has that powerful effect. We also see it with African immigrants moving to Canada, which is another happy country. Uh, but then the, the most important thing people can do, especially around COVID, you know, we evolved to be social creatures. And it's very clear that the happiest people are socializing uh, six to seven hours a day. Face to face. Before COVID, I I used to say it's got to be in person, but now I'm a big believer in doing what we're doing right now on Zoom. This ability to see, I can see your facial expressions. I see you nodding your head and in 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 understanding consent. And I mean, you can do that with people. So uh, the more, even if you're an introvert, introverts are actually happier around people than they are alone just for less time than extroverts are. So trying to get as many hours of social interaction in your life is, is I would say, the probably the, the best thing we can do uh, as a quick fix. Speaking of where we live, folks watching this on the YouTube coaching channel are seeing your background and they're drooling a little bit. Where, where, where are you? Where, where do you live? <laughs> this is, yeah, this is what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> oh, you poor guy. He's suffering, folks. He's really suffering. Yeah. That's, that's my blue zone. My <laughs> ship is coming in right there. No, it's, uh, I'm, I'm living in Miami these days. Okay. I, I thought I read something about Costa Rica. Down here, I go swim in the ocean every day. Nice. I know my neighbors. Love it. Love and, it. And, uh, you know, I can stay away from COVID. But. Last question, and then I want to talk about your book and, and how people can keep track of you. On a personal level, which of these are most challenging for you? As you look at this Power Nine and, and you're out there talking about it all the time and writing about it, you're still a human being. You still have your stuff that maybe this one's not as easy as that one. Where, where are you challenged the most in these? None of them challenge me because I don't think of you it. make it the easy. The way to think about it is this is a behavior yeah. that I have to change. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the way to think about it is shaping your surroundings. So if you make the right friends, you put effort into getting a few healthy friends in your mutuals. You don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. You know, I have, I'll show you right now. I mean, this is, this is my, I got one of these um, Instapots. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We love it. And, and there's my Sardinian minestrone. Nice. I'm going to make that. Uh, this is for, uh, this is for the next uh, week. I, I make a one big. So it's very, it takes me 10 minutes to make that pot of minestrone. I, I have a recipe for my book and it's delicious. So I know I like it. I don't have to think about it anymore. Most of the time I live near my family, so I don't have to, it's not hard for me to put them first. So, so here's the bottom line. The bottom line is if you want to live longer and be healthier, don't try to change your behavior. 
because you'll fail. You know, 97% chance you're going to fail because there's no short-term fix when it comes to longevity. There's no pill. There's no supplement. There's no quick diet that you can do today or for the next year that's going to add years to your life in 60 or 70 years when you're getting ready to die. The only thing that works is when you do something for decades. Mm. So mm. doing the right thing and avoiding the wrong thing for long enough. And the key to that is shaping your surroundings, mm. setting up your kitchen. So it's easy to eat healthy food and places where junk food would normally live that are out of the way, setting up your house. So, it's spread out over three floors and it's not everything is a push of a button that you actually have to move setting up your social network, thinking about where you live. This is what works. It's counterintuitive. Uh, I can't make a bunch of money off of it. So, you know, it's, you don't hear it from marketers because nobody can make money off of this, but it, but we've seen it working in the blue zones and uh, we've seen it working in, in these blue zone project cities that we've manufactured. Don't change behavior, change surroundings. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right, so how people keep track of you? And, and real quick, I want to mention, you've got the Blue Zone Wines. I want you to mention something about that. That's got to be intriguing to people. And you've got a new book coming out. Let us know the details on that as well. Yes. So uh, Blue Zone's Kitchen, uh, it's a from National Geographic, gorgeous photography, 100 recipes to live to 100. Number one New York Times bestseller of all. And I always say that, not to brag, but I know people are more likely to read a book when they know it's been a number oh, yeah. of years. It's beautiful. And then um, I spent five years. So we found a wine in Sardinia, a uh, Cananau wine, one of our blue zones, uh, that has the, three times the level of an- antioxidants of any known wine in the mm. world. And it's rich. It's deep red, garnet red. They call it vino nero. Uh, it's delicious. We got a 93 rating on it. If you Google blue zones wine or come to uh, danbuner.com. Um, there you can, you can order it there. It's a great Christmas gift. We package it with, with the book. And, um, you know, if anybody has any direct questions, if you direct message me on Instagram, okay. uh, at Dan Butner, I, I personally answer all of those questions. Perfect. And, uh, would love for people to follow me there. And, um, I'm, I try to put up some new dollop of wisdom every day. Love it. Love it. Dan, really appreciate it. Your schedule is packed, even in the midst of everything going on right now. Thanks for making the time today. Really appreciate it. I enjoyed talking to you. Good luck with everything. And Merry Christmas. And in in Sardinia, what people say to each other when they pass each other in the street is Akentanos, which means I'll see you when you're 100. Beautiful. (laughs) I love it. Thanks. Take care, Dan. Bye. So interesting. I love what he mentioned about there's no secret elixir in these blue zones. It's a matter of making the best choices, the easy choices, and the way they've done that as communities. It reminds me of the guidance some of our other guests, like Dr. Wendy Woods, you heard earlier this year, and actually one that's upcoming with Dr. B.J. Fogg. It's powerful stuff, and it's really a big key that we're finding a lot more out about. Thank you so much for tuning in. Number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. Next week's a little bit different. I'm going to be taking you through the steps to dialing in your own powerful personal vision for the coming year. Last year we did this and it became one of our most popular of all time. So there was no question about whether we should do it again this year. It's fresh, brand new. I'll be walking you through the process I go through every year to create my own personal vision. I've been doing it about 10 years now. Really a fun, powerful process. And I'll walk you through all that next week. Now, 
It's time to be a catalyst on this journey of life. The chance to make a positive difference in the world while simultaneously improving our own lives, which is the essence of being a catalyst. By the way, some exciting news about that phrase, be a catalyst. You can now share that message with the world. We'll include a link to a description to access anything you're looking for. Shirts, hoodies, stickers, that kind of stuff. This is not intended to be a revenue stream for us. I want to emphasize that. It's part of our mission. So for the foreseeable future, 100%, 100% of all profits that go from any of those sales will go to charity. This is Dr. Bradford Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute. Make it a great rest of your week. And I'll speak with you soon on the next episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over on the YouTube coaching channel.